the one thing that really stuck out as I went through my study of this story again was the immense brokenness experienced by the father. And all of it was due to the selfishness of these 10 sons. For 20 years as a dad, he thought his son was dead. He would have stayed brokenhearted until the day he died if Joseph wouldn't have chosen generosity. What if Joseph had taken revenge on the 10 brothers who betrayed him? Joseph had all of the power to execute them all at that moment, but he didn't. It's interesting to think how one decision of generosity can change the course of someone's history. It can even change a nation as it did in today's story. Welcome to Entrusted.tv with Pastor T.K. Anderson, the Senior Pastor of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. Thank you for joining us. We are in a six-week series, The Life of Joseph, God is Supreme. Joseph's story resonates with themes of courage, perseverance, and unwavering belief that even in the face of adversity, God's plan unfolds with divine precision. So whether you're a seasoned reader of the Bible or just beginning, this message series offers a window into the profound mysteries of divine revelation and practical application for everyday life. Let's join today's message. Let's do a quick review in case you're new to this series on Joseph. Here's where we're at. Joseph arrives on the scene as a teenager in Genesis chapter 37 with a multicolored coat given to him by his father and the ability to have and interpret some special dreams. We discover that he is one of 12 brothers and the father is a man named Jacob. Unfortunately, his brothers became jealous of him and so they sold him into slavery. We discover that Joseph arrives in Egypt and he's purchased by a man named Potiphar, the Egyptian military leader. And while there, Joseph is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and he's put in jail in Genesis chapter 39. While in jail, Joseph interprets some dreams of his jailhouse buddies and word gets back to the Pharaoh that Joseph has a unique talent to interpret dreams. And so the Pharaoh asks him to interpret his dreams. And because of his response, he is released from prison. And all of this happens in Genesis chapter 40 and 41. And because Joseph nailed it, he got the dreams right. Pharaoh then puts Joseph in charge of the entire nation. And Joseph springs into action to prepare Egypt for seven years of plenty following seven years of famine. And all of this happens in chapter 41 as well. And last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 42, 43, and 44. And in those three chapters, we detail these multiple trips during the famine years, a back and forth to Egypt of Joseph's 10 brothers. It starts off with all 10 of them going to Egypt to buy grain. And Joseph sends nine of them back while he keeps one hostage in jail. The nine go back to Egypt with Benjamin, the youngest, so 10 in total. And then Joseph tricks the 10 brothers and keeps Benjamin and orders the 10 to return back to the father. And that's where we left off last Sunday. And all of this sets the stage for what is about to happen in Genesis chapter 45. Are you with me? Get it? 
Good. All right. So today we're going to learn five reasons why generosity is so powerful. So let's buckle up and dive in. The first reason why is it changes the giver. So if you have your notes with you, go ahead and fill in that word. It changes the giver. And we'll start off here in Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. Joseph could stand it no longer. He's standing with all of his brothers. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And then he broke down and he wept. And he wept so loudly, the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father, is my father still alive? Finally, after all the back and forth and all of the testing, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. The Bible says that Joseph uh, could stand it no longer. I looked it up. Other translations say he, could, he couldn't keep his composure. He, he couldn't control his emotions. He could not control his feelings. Something was happening in the heart of Joseph to his family. It confounds the receiver. So go ahead and fill that in in your notes. Confounds the receiver. And we pick this up in Genesis 45, verse 3, the second half of the verse. After Joseph delivers his speech and reveals himself to his brothers, the Bible says, but his brothers now were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. In verse 5, Joseph says, don't be upset and, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. I read that. I said, are you kidding me? I would have said, you dirty, rotten scoundrels. Now that you know it's you, and I know it's you, and we all know, off with your heads, right? Not Joseph. He was gracious. He says, don't be upset. Don't be angry for selling me to this place. Why? Here it is. It was God who sent me here. God sent me here. You didn't send me here. God's in control. God's sovereign. God is supreme. God sent me here ahead of you to do what? To actually preserve your lives, by the way. I went through all of this punishment to preserve you. Wow, that's powerful. What a mature man, right? All the way down in verse 12. Then Joseph added, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph standing before you. They thought they had gotten rid of him. They thought he was gone, never to be seen again. This reunion was shocking. But what's the third reason why generosity is so important? Because it challenges the observer. Challenges the observer. Now buckle up for this point because this is fantastic. Check it out what happens in verse 16. Now the news of Joseph and his brothers being reunited, all of that soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived, they said. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, hey, come here. Tell your brothers that this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan, Israel, to go get your dad. And then get your father and all of your families. And I want you to return here to me. And I'm going to give you the very best land in Egypt. Underline that in your notes. He's going to give them the very best land in Egypt. And you will eat from the best that the land produces. The best that the land produces. Let's take a look at the fourth reason why generosity is so powerful. The fourth reason why is it connects the broken. It connects the broken. Let's check it out here in verse uh, 21. So the sons of Jacob did as they were told. Joseph provided them with wagons as Pharaoh had commanded, and he gave them supplies for the journey. 
Joseph sent his brothers off, and as they left, he called after them, hey, don't quarrel about all of this along the way. I don't there's so much spiritual in there. I just thought that was kind of funny because that's like what a brother would say, right? I know you guys, you bunch of arguers. Don't argue about this. You're getting blessed. God's doing something cool. So enjoy it. In verse 25, and they left Egypt and returned to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan. Joseph's still alive, they told him, and he's governor of the land of Egypt. And Jacob, the father, was what? Stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob everything that Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirits revived. And then Jacob exclaimed, this must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. Wow, what a moment of pure joy for the dad. I mean, you got to remember, I, you know, studying for this uh, message series this summer, I went back and reread the story a couple of times, backwards, forwards, context, you know, all of that. And the one thing that really sticks out for me or stuck out as I went through my study of this story again was the, the immense brokenness experienced by the father, by Jacob. I mean, I don't know what that would have felt like to be him. But to have gone through what he had to go through to get to this moment, and all of it was due to the selfishness of these 10 sons. 10 of his own sons that lied to him about his son Joseph. For 20 years as a dad, he thought his son was dead. But none of it was true, not in the slightest. This whole time, 10 of the very kids he fathered deceived him. Jacob, Jacob was a broken man. He was brokenhearted. And here's what's interesting when you really think through, think through this whole story. Do you know it would have stayed that way? He would have stayed brokenhearted until the day he died if Joseph wouldn't have chosen generosity. Did you know that? Think about that for a while. What if Joseph had taken revenge on the 10 brothers who betrayed him when they came down to Egypt to get the grain? Do you remember that? Joseph had all of the power to execute them all at that moment, but he didn't. But if he had, there would be no 12 tribes of Israel and history would have turned out completely different. It's interesting to think how one decision of generosity can change the course of someone's history. It can even change a nation, as it did in today's story. Now, here's what's interesting. The phrase, their father's spirits revived, is the Hebrew word, hayah. And it means to have life or to be restored to life. And that's what happened to Jacob because of the generosity of his son, Joseph. That generosity allowed Jacob's brokenness, listen, to come to an end. He was, according to the Bible, alive again. You see, Joseph's generosity brought healing and brought connection to his father, and it changed Jacob. Isn't that cool? It's amazing because it, it brings us to the question of who in your life, who in my life needs an expression of generosity from us? Your generosity can actually end their brokenness and can reconnect them to God. You know, one of the most generous things you can do if God's calling you to do so is to be a leader of a life group. We're going to be launching new life groups this fall. And one of the most powerful things that happens in life groups are people come in 
like the story we just heard today, something's going on in their life, and as the leader, you have a chance to be generous and reconnect them back to God. Isn't that cool? And you end the brokenness that they're experiencing in their life because of what God's doing through you. So we're going to have that leadership training next Saturday. I want you to go home this week. Some of you have been walking with the Lord. You're qualified to lead a life group and say, I think I can do that this fall. I can lead a life group. Go to the class. Let God use you so you can connect the broken back to Jesus. It's one of the most generous things you can do this fall. So we've learned so far this uh, sermon that generosity changes the giver, confounds the receiver, challenges the observer, and it connects the broken. Lastly, what's the final reason why generosity is so powerful? Here it is. It causes worship to God, causes worship to God. So we end chapter 45, and they're packing up all the goodies, and they're getting ready to head to Egypt, and here's what happens. Jacob sets out for Egypt with all his possessions, and when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's the order. Because of the generosity of Joseph and now also the Pharaoh who got in on the action, the whole tribe is heading down to Egypt. They've been saved from the concerns of the famine and the family will now be finally reunited after two long decades of controversy and contention. It's a great day for this family. It's wonderful. And on the way there, Jacob decides to stop off at a place called Beersheba. What's going on here at this town? Well, when someone has been generous to you, you tend to be thankful. Isn't that true? And the thankfulness expresses itself many times through what's called gratefulness. And when it becomes uh, in our relationship to God, a byproduct of that gratefulness is worship. We did that today, and we do that each and every Sunday through the music that we sing and the songs that we sing. And we worship, and we're grateful to God, and we should do that. You know, one of my most favorite songs is called uh, The Goodness of God, and we sing that around here, and I like that. And the chorus says, God, all my life, all my life, God, you have been faithful. All my life, God, you, you have been so, so good. And with every breath I am able I'm going to sing. Oh, man, I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Isn't that awesome? You know, if you're going through a trial right now, you're going through a time of testing, you're hearing me up here going, oh, man, pastor, that's good for you, but you don't know what I'm facing. I'm going to encourage you, go home and sing it even louder. Put it in your car, sing it twice. Three times, four times, five times, driving down the street. When everybody looks by and goes, what's wrong with that person? Say, oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. You know, I just got news this week. This week, something I've been praying about for years. And I sing that song and that's in my head. Oh man, God, you're so faithful. God's bringing that all together now after many, many years. God's restoring. God's renewing. God's putting it all together in his time. And it's happening right now. And God wants to do that for you too. In Jacob's day, one of the ways to express worship to God was by building an altar. They offered sacrifices and then they reminded the generations to come of God's covenant with his people. That's what they did. And so when Jacob stopped in this town called Beersheba, it was a very important moment in his life and his family, in the history of his family. It was actually a location where God appeared to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. 
and his father Isaac in Genesis 21 and 26. Jacob reaffirmed the covenant that God had made with his forefathers while there. On his way to Egypt, Jacob took an opportunity to worship God one more time and to seek God's continued guidance and protection for the future of his family as they were on this new journey. He also recognized that their journey to Egypt was a part of God's larger design, even if, listen to this, even if it meant leaving the promised land temporarily. And the temporary leaving was 400 years. Interesting, as Moses marched them out 400 years later. You see, Jacob's decision to stop in Beersheba represents a link to his forefathers. It represents uh, uh, obedience to God's guidance. It, it, it recognizes and represents a time of worship to the Lord and a recognition of God's overarching plan for his family. God is in control. That's what he was saying. Now, something we learned about his son, Joseph, is we learned real quickly that Joseph believed in the supremacy of God, right? God is supreme. You pick it all throughout the life of Joseph. And now we know when you read this portion at the very end where he gets it from. He actually got it from his father, Jacob. That's where he got it from. You see, Joseph was generous with his family. And because of that, it brought worship back to God. And that can happen for you. And that can happen for me. When we're generous to people, it causes them to then give praise and thanksgiving back to God. And as a parent, as a grandparent, as an aunt or as an uncle, one of the most valuable qualities that you and I can teach our kids and our grandkids is the value of worship. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you ever sang a worship song with your kids or your grandkids? Now think about that for a minute because we don't do it a lot, right? Let's just be honest. But I want to challenge you to start doing that. Put the song in the car and start singing it. Now, if they're a teenager, they're going to think you're really weird, all right? So start when they're younger because it's a lot easier, right? <laughs> but when was the last time you taught them a worship song? It's going to be powerful when you do that. When was the last time you talked about the importance of trusting in the sovereignty of God? Your kid or grandkid or niece or nephew is going through a tough time and you sit down and say, oh, I get it. I've gone through it. But let me tell you what God has done in my life and something called the sovereignty of God. And the kid shakes his head and goes, okay, I get it. It's just momentary trials. It's momentary testing. We can get through this. The security of understanding that through Jesus, we have access to God and we are free to worship no matter what comes our way. Those are the types of lessons we have an opportunity to teach our kids and grandkids. All right, getting back to the title of our message, let me share a final story showing how one act of generosity can indeed save an entire nation. In 1772, a Jewish man named Ham Salomon left Poland and immigrated to New York City to start a new life. In sympathy with the American patriots, he joined the Sons of Liberty and repeatedly undermined British interests. Finally, after multiple arrests by the British, he escaped to Philadelphia and became a vital financer of the revolution, raising over $18 million in today's money. In late summer 1781, as George Washington and a contingent of French troops prepared to attack a famous British general named Charles Cornwallis in Yorktown. Washington's forces were desperate for funds 
and facing mutiny without enough food and supplies. Washington needed a half a million dollars. He was told there were no funds or credit available. Washington finally said, send for Ham Solomon. Solomon raised the needed funds, leading to a decisive victory at Yorktown. And those of you who know your history know that that was the last battle of the American Revolution. Solomon even gave generously of his own resources to pay the salaries of government officials and army officers. He personally paid off the debts of many unsung heroes and made sure they could start a new life when the war ended. But at 44 years old, Solomon died in poverty on January 8, 1785 in Philadelphia. And due to the failure of government and private lenders to repay these war debts, his family was left penniless. One of the founding fathers, the treasurer of the Continental Congress, Robert Morris, wrote frequently in his own personal diary of the many times he sent for Ham Solomon. Over 250 years after Solomon immigrated to New York City, his legacy lies not only in securing the revolution's success, but in the fact that one man's generosity, one man's generosity saved a new nation the United States of America. It's a powerful story. And it's a story to remind us that I'm sure none of us will ever be called to save an entire nation. But God will call us to save a family, our family. God maybe will call you to save a friendship. God maybe is calling you to save a specific relationship through one act of generosity and through that act of generosity, you can impact and change history. Are you ready to do that? Now, in the closing moments, I want to share one last thing with you. Because we've learned today how important one act of generosity from us to somebody else can change things. But in the last few moments, I want to tell you about the most important act of generosity in the history of the world. And it's so important because it didn't just change the course of a nation or the course of a family or the course of one or two people, but rather it changed the course of the entire world. You see this one act of generosity, it was actually done for you. It was done for me and for every person who has ever lived and will ever live. For those who trust in Jesus Christ, this one act of generosity this one act of sacrifice, the place where Jesus died upon the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin and my sin and the sin of the entire world. Happened 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. For those who trust in Jesus in this one act of generosity, it paves the way for you to go to heaven. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 tells us there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal separation from God because of our sin. Because of Christ's death upon the cross, he paid the penalty and brings us back into right relationship with our creator. So the question for you today, the question for me and for everybody watching online or listening later, the question today is, have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? Have you invited him into your life? Have you made a commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ?
And friend, if you haven't, there, I believe, isn't a better time than to do it right now, today. In fact, that's why God brought you to church today. So he could talk to you in these final moments and tell you the best of heaven awaits for you as you become a follower of my son, Jesus Christ. So as I close our time together today, I will lead you in a little prayer where you can pray and you can invite Jesus Christ into your life if you haven't done that before, and you can receive him not only as your savior, but also as your Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, the Son. And Jesus, we confess that we don't always understand what happens in life and why you bring us through the struggles and the trials that you do. But today, you've brought people into this room and some of them have yet to commit their life to you and you're calling them to do that. Just like you called those early disciples, come and follow me. And many of them chose and they turned and they left everything behind and they followed you. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't even know what was going to happen tomorrow. All they knew is that you you were God in the flesh and they wanted to follow you. So Lord, I pray today for all the men and women that are here listening, that if you're speaking to their heart, that they open their life to you right now and invite you in. In fact, if you're here this morning and you'd like to invite Jesus Christ into your life, just pray this simple prayer right where you're at. Dear Jesus, I come before you today and I recognize that I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I receive your forgiveness. You paid the penalty for my sin upon the cross. And I invite you into my life. Be my savior. Be my Lord. I want to follow you. And God, wherever that prayer was prayed today, whether in this auditorium or anybody watching online at a later time, I pray right now the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit reveal to them that they indeed are in the family of God. And help us as a church to help nurture them and help them grow and become strong in this new relationship with you. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us for today's broadcast. And I really hope the message encouraged you. You know, if God's working in your life and you'd like to go all in for Jesus, Simply text the word Jesus to 33777. And when you do, I'll be able to send you digital resources to help you in your walk with Christ. Remember, whatever you may be facing today, God is bigger. And as you trust in him, he will make a way through it. If you'd like more information about Compass Church or our ministry, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. That's at Compass Church Monterey County or at our website, compasschurchmc.org. And for the month of February, if you'd like to help support this ministry for a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of my newest book, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows His Love. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another beautiful day, and we ask you to continue to provide us with protection and provision and give us the tools and resources necessary to carry out your plan that you have for us in our life. And we thank you for it now in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor, for that message and prayer. Entrusted Ministries is provided for you by partners from across America. Entrusted is on over 400 radio stations. Go to entrusted.tv for Pastor Anderson's messages and learn more about Compass Church in Monterey County. Thank you in advance for your support and help 
in spreading Jesus' love through this ministry. Remember, you are entrusted with a purpose. And until next time, stay blessed and keep tuning in to Entrusted.tv, where you will be inspired and empowered because you've been entrusted with the gospel.